Tiad. What kind of little boy has a tea set? <laughs> I think we both know the answer to that. A lucky boy. <laughs> you know, Seymour, there's an innocence about you that can be quite charming. Oh, well, I've always admired your tart honesty and ability to be personally offended by broad social trends. Really? Mm -hmm. Very much. And your laugh. You mean, ha! Mm-hmm. That's the one that makes me feel... Uh, uh. Oh, boy. <clears throat> you uh, have a breath mint I could borrow? I've got some menthol cigarettes. Oh, the heck with it. Mm. Oh. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount. This week we are here to review Grade School Confidential. I am Dando. I am Mitch and I am super excited because this episode was way better than I realised. That's exactly what I was going to say. I've got one word. It was delightful. This episode, it was one of those ones where I was not excited going into it. Not that I was not looking forward to it. I was just like, oh yeah, it's that one where Mrs. K and Skinner hook up. Whatever. At the end of it, I just went, that was, that was fun. That was really good. You know what it was is because it, or what I think is that it's really aimed at adults more so than most episodes have been this season and i think that's probably why just with an older set of eyes i've appreciated this one a hell of a lot more than i ever had in the past yep. like i was watching this in the tea room at work quite often when i'm doing that i can stifle laughter because i know what's coming whereas this time i was just i was dying out the back people were sort of tapping me on the sh shoulder just people that couldn't say i was watching an episode wondering what was happening it was just really funny and you know that I love Skinner and the, just the way Harry plays him and portrays him is really, really hilarious. So it was great to get a lot of him in an episode as opposed to just a few little clips. I reckon this episode could almost be defined as peak Skinner. I mean, we really see a side of Skinner that we haven't seen before. He's, he's actually, like, I love the fact that he's willing to like lie to the kids. Like, oh, it's one of the good things about working at a primary school. They'll believe anything. And, you know, he's no longer a mama's boy because yep. that's what Mrs. K brings out in him. And he's just... I wouldn't say he's a badass in this, but he's just, he becomes a man, as silly as that sounds. You know what I mean? He becomes cool. Oh, uh, he does a little bit. He's still trodden, downtrodden a bit, but you see him start to loosen up a bit. The only thing that this misses out on is disciplinarian Skinner. Like, it's it doesn't have Skinner yelling at children at some point. Does he ever really yell at the kids? Oh, he does when they're naughty, I guess, doesn't he? Yeah. But, but does he ever follow through with it, though? No, not really, no. Uh, I do love how willing he was to just sell Millhouse up the river to keep his love a secret. <laughs> that was pretty good, wasn't it? There was a, there was an episode, though, um, where he gives Bart all those weeks of detention. What was that? Uh, where Bart's like, I'll just shut my big mouth. That was the um, oh, uh, separate vocations. It's the one where Bart's the hall monitor. Okay, uh, that is separate vocations. Yeah, definitely, yep. Um, I've got here too, whilst it's funny in the adult humour, it's also, it's got raunchy moments, but in a very tasteful way, I thought. Mm. Just the sort of the banter between Mrs. K and Skinner. It was just, like you said, as an adult, you can really appreciate this episode so much more. Yeah. Something else that I thought this episode did really well is that, like, Homer is really sidelined in this. He doesn't exist, like, he's not in it very much at all. But every time that he is, it hits the mark. He Homer is so funny in his 
maybe four scenes, I think, off the top of my head that I actually remember him being in. But four absolutely great scenes. Like, I love when he's riding around with Milhouse and Bart in the trailer on the uh, lawnmower. Because as lame as that is, he just commits really, really hard. You actually see Homer try to be a good parent there. It's just, you know, maybe six years too late for the age bracket that the kids are. Then later, the Crandall scene, of course, which is as funny as, as it could possibly be. So you get that little bit of stupid Homer. And I think peak megaphone comedy is when someone goes to, like, they're talking to someone that they're trying to talk down and then they talk to someone next to them and they don't turn the megaphone off and Homer executes that joke to perfection. Do you know that that was improvised by Dan Castellanata? Oh, really? How? Because I assume that that's just a voice effect. So did Dan just mime that? Like, not mime, but like obviously he's just projected his voice louder or something to try to sell that joke. Dan actually spoke into a, megaf- Dan actually spoke into a megaphone to record that scene. Ah, excellent. Yeah. That'd be really loud. It's just a little touch. See, that final touch of, like you just said, you didn't know it was improvised. It makes the scene, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It's it's really, really fun. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, so overall though, I could not recommend this episode anymore. It was just such a surprise. I I guess maybe because I wasn't, I I didn't have such high expectations going into it. Maybe that's why I liked it so much. I don't know, but it just, it's it's great. Yeah, you get, I, again, I think it's just being the perspective of watching this as a, well, it's 30 middle-aged, let's let's say a roughly middle-aged adult, as opposed to watching it as an adolescent or even as a young adult, that there's just, you know, an extra probably 10 years of life experience since I've seen this episode. And a lot of the jokes that they go for here just uh, become a lot more relatable and they really hit home. I love the fact that Skinner was willing to uh, sacrifice not only his dignity, but also his career, just so he could be with Mrs. K at the end there. Mm. Yeah, that was nice. It, uh, it's, he- like, it's, it's hard-hitting, actually. Like This almost goes back to a younger... A, a, sorry, not younger, but as in an earlier Simpsons episode, in that these are characters making important life choices and stuff that, even though it's The Simpsons and it's all going to be wrapped up within an episode and things will be back to normal next week it still feels like everything here matters and is relevant rather than it just being so wacky that it's, um you know, you can write it off pretty easily. I always thought too, for some reason in my mind, that Bart in this episode was using them to his advantage when really it was the other way around. And Bart was actually pretty good. He's pretty nice hmm. in this episode. He was actually the one that brought them together in the end. Yeah, and this, this was something else that I thought of because we've been critical in the past about when they write Bart to be a jerk just for the sake of being a jerk. Whereas here, he actually legitimately gets pushed to the end of his tether. Like, they do take advantage of him before he snaps, and he holds on as long as he possibly can. So, when he does finally snap, you're not really annoyed at him as a viewer. You're like, yeah, no, fair enough. You're just reacting the way that anyone would react in this situation. Especially they get you out of bed to go watch a shitty movie and sit next to Superintendent Chalmers. I, (laughs) I love that scene. Um, what, uh, what, uh, what city was it? Atlanta. Yeah. Do you think it was really filmed in Atlanta? What? Oh, I don't think it matters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the yeah back to him. No, I just love that what Bart gives him is a very valid answer. It's, and Chalmers just goes with it. It's like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a perfect ex- uh, example of, I feel like so many scenes in this episode felt real. The dialogue just felt real. Yeah. It felt lived in. 
like it, it didn't it didn't feel like it was written for comedy it just felt like two like like especially when mrs k and skinner were chatting it just felt like two adults chatting to each other yeah i also this uh episode here i feel like it's sort of like the end of a trilogy so the 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 episode idea was spawned from back when bart the lover first aired mm-hmm. right um and then we get a uh, sweet scheme uh sweet seymour skinner's badass song where Bart interferes in sort of like a Bart Skinner episode and Bart Lovers a Bart Mrs. K episode. And here, it's sort of like bringing those two together and Bart's the one that, once again, is heavily involved, is the one that brings them together. It's sort of like a... I don't know, I've always seen it as like a bit of a trilogy. Yeah, right. See, I saw it more as a companion piece to... Um, gone blank on the episode title, but to Skinner dating Patty. Principal, principal something. Principal Charming. Principal Charming. Ah, Principal Charming. Yes. But yeah, so I kind of saw it as a continuation of that and exploring Seymour's love life again. And what this one has that that one didn't is more of the dynamic of Skinner with his mother. And I really like the line, like, while you sometimes see Skinner in a love-hate relationship, like when he goes all Norman Bates looking out the window, but... What I liked here is that Edna, help me. Like, it's one of the first times you've ever truly acknowledged that Skinner wants to get away from his mum. The other line for me was when he said, I always thought I'd end up with someone like mother. And now that I haven't, I couldn't be happier kind of thing, you know? Well, even though I wouldn't want to. <laughs> He's like, I wouldn't want to, but that's what would happen. This episode here, it's, it's a nice little origin story for really, when you think about it, one of the show's longest running arcs. Because this changed the characters from, from here on in. Mm. I mean, it continues on... The estab- like what I like is that it does do that, but it also doesn't change what's come before it. Like you still have this idea that Edna is lonely, which has always been there. She's lonely and she sort of gets around a little bit and she's always trying to find love. So it makes sense that she would look for it in Skinner. Whereas with Skinner, it's more a case of like Skinner and Edna are the only ones that you've ever really seen uh, interact before within the school. Like it's very rare that he talks to Miss Hoover in the same way that he talks to Edna. So it's, it wasn't crowbarring two characters together from nowhere. It wasn't changing what had come before. It just felt like a real natural fit. What do you think makes their relationship work? Do you think it's the fact that Skinner is the opposite of what Mrs. K would normally go for and vice versa? That has a lot to do with it, yeah. I think the, the line that sells that the absolute most is, does this mean that Mrs. Krabappel is a virgin too? Ha! <laughs> <laughs> just so, so great. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only thing I, that annoys me is because I know what comes after this is that they have Skinner going back to being a mother's boy and that eventually is what creates the demise and they split up I, you might not have seen that episode but about I know in the mid-season say 14, 15-ish they, they mm. split up and it's because he's such a mama's boy still I wish they didn't have him continue being that mother's boy you know I understand there's humour there to be had mm. but after this episode it would have been nice for a character switch character shift you know what I mean yeah it would have been but I still feel like there's a. They never completely got away from that character either, because of, like the lines in that whole thing about I should have done what Bart, but I'm going to do what Bart should have told me to do a long time ago, or you know stop following orders. Yes, you're right. Let's go scheme more. Yes, okay. Like it's just it, he's still he's that's so ingrained in who he is that while I agree that it would have been nice if they never did change that, I don't think it's necessarily a problem that they did like it's just going uh, it's regressing to what who you are and what you know which a lot of people do now my favorite moment from the episode isn't actually involving skinner or edna or bart or homer or anyone mm. it actually involves bart but it's when martin turns around and says now bart please promise you won't fall in love with me 
That was very, very funny. The delivery of it is just perfection. (laughs) And the animation on his eyes as he looks around the room for his applause. He's like, "Eh, yes, eh, eh, pretty funny. This is Martin's ultimate moment. I know he had the giant pool once and whatnot, but no, this this is peak Martin. He'll never get any better than this. No, it's one of the only times Martin's ever actually been accepted and, you know, truly come out on top in the classroom. Exactly. What was your favourite moment? I found it really hard to pick a favourite, to be honest. So, I think my favourite moment was more of uh, a bunch of little moments that added colour to the episodes. So, one of those was the bit that we discussed about, I don't know, I don't think it matters. Um, I really loved Ralph crying at the party, both on the horse and at the tail. (laughs) I found him kind of annoying. He's like like the annoying kid that always cries. (laughs) Yeah, and on the subject, I've heard Elliot crying in the background three times already. Oh, man, it just never ends. <laughs> um, but no, like that just, I, I found that really funny. I found that more funny than, you know, and then the, I was they were making babies and I saw a baby and the baby waved at me. I found Ralph just not being able to process anything and resorting to tears. Really, really enjoyable. I liked, I liked the fact that when all the kids are getting dragged out, Bart calls out Lisa saying, you you can't have eaten oysters, you're a vegetarian. Like, that was a good character beat to go, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, to to incorporate that. It was another one of those little things that just fills in the backstory. It fills in the fact that these characters do have a history together. I mean, aside from all of that, if I had to pick one specific moment, though, it is Homer with the remote. <laughs> that's, my, that's my other favourite moment. Yeah. Did you check your pocket? It was in... It was in my pocket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so great because that's actually happened to my dad before. Not, not obviously with the megaphone of me being on the roof of a school, but mm. dad called me up when I was at football training once and said, have you seen the, where's the fucking TV remote? And I said, I know. Well, you were fucking watching it before you left. I said, I don't know. And I said, is it in your pocket? <laughs> oh yeah, it's in my pocket. Because <laughs> he went outside in the backyard and took it with him. <laughs> Did you say, is it in your pocket because of this episode? Or was it just a thought? May I probably did subconsciously, but I just said, is it yeah, in your okay. pocket? Because he had a habit, though, of putting it in his pocket when he'd go out to the backyard or something, just yep. so no one else could change the TV. <laughs> <laughs> no one else. No. I'm watching MASH now, and I'm going to go outside for 10 minutes, and when I come back, I want to still be watching MASH. No, you're not allowed to watch Burjo's catchphrase in the 10 minutes that I go outside in case... I catch any of Burjo's catchphrase when I get back. What my dad used to do was, like on a Saturday afternoon or whatever, he would turn the TV up really loud, then go out the front and do like gardening or whatever, <laughs> or go in the backyard and do something, but so he could still hear the TV and say, yeah, no one change okay. the TV, and he'd put the remote in his pocket. I mean, we could still change a channel on the TV if we wanted to, but fucking, do you think we were going to be game to do that? Yeah, no. I used to do that, actually. <laughs> Remember, like, TVs... As great as LED and LCD and all, and even go back as far as plasma, as great as all that stuff is, something to be said about the humble CRT TV that could be moved anywhere. And on a nice hot summer's day, to put the TV up to the window, sit outside and watch the cricket through the window was, you know, the life of luxury as a 15-year-old. It was much easier because they were smaller, obviously, but it was much easier to just put them on wheels or something. Even if you wanted to, just get put them on the backyard table and just get an extension cord. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Maybe pop like a little um, shade cloth around it just so it was easy enough to see it because the screens didn't get bright enough. But it's a life of ingenuity. Yeah, definitely. I've got one of the um, the old school TVs set up in my garage so I can play the old uh, point blank games, the shooting mm. games for PlayStation and whatnot and duck hunt and stuff. I forgot how noisy those things were. Oh, yeah. Loud. Just when you turn it on, it's 
dong. And then you hear like, this hissing sound, and it's like, what is that? What is that humming sound? And you turn the TV off, and you go, whoa. How did I never realise that when I was a kid? <laughs> you played Point Break for so long that by the end of it, your TV thought it was a hummingbird of some kind. <laughs> now, Mitch, you're a white male. You are not allowed to do an Indian accent anymore. Uh, not allowed. But they're touring, and it's just going to happen this summer. So it's got to be accepted. Now, you mentioned before, Ralph, that, that you liked Ralph crying. And you said the moment where he said, the baby waved at me. Now, mm-hmm. this is something I need to correct, because a lot of people make this mistake. He says the baby looked at me. I thought it was looked at me too, actually, to be perfectly honest. And then a few people commented about it being waved at me, and I started to doubt myself. No, it's it's looked, but a lot of people say waved. It's No, it's looked, yeah. Yeah, I thought if nothing else, if I say waved, and most of the people that write in have said waved, then the people that write in will not waste their time telling me that I was wrong when I say looked. <laughs> so, I'm trying to get ahead of the curve. <laughs> the other thing that annoys me, it doesn't annoy me, but... When people say, Luke, I am your father. That's not the quote. It's, no, I am your father. Mm. Yeah, no, I am your father. From this day forward, your name shall be... New names for the episode. So, I've got one that requires a little bit of singing. A bit of singing? Yeah. So, it's, love me, Edna, love me true. Okay. (laughs) Do you know what that song is? Uh, No, not... It's Elvis, love me tender. Come on, man. Oh, love me tender. Okay, yep. I'm not a big Elvis guy. I'll be honest, I have uh, never really found his music all that enjoyable. Okay, well, I found a video on YouTube last night, actually, of Frank Sinatra, because Frank Sinatra did not like Elvis, but Frank Sinatra was doing some um, TV special, mm. and Elvis just got back from the army, and they got Elvis onto the special, and they both sang Love Me Tender, but you can just see that Frank Sinatra just does not want to be standing next to the man. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. It's really good. What was your new name? Well, it's kind of lame, but it was just Seymour in the closet. Yeah, that works. I love I love the know, word wordplay that Seymour does in the letter. It's great. Well, that's why I said it's kind of lame because I thought of that episode. Oh, I thought of that title, and then I saw that in the letter. I was like, ah, shit! I'm, I'm basically <laughs> stealing from the episode, but it is it is what it is. I didn't have time to think of a second. Did we write into the uh, Patreon group this week? Did we? Did we get some new names from the from the patrons? Of course we did. So, uh, David Nayer, the forty six year old virgin. Wasn't he 44? Was he 44? I don't know. Skinner's 46. Babies are waving. No one's paying any attention. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, this is not too bad from Lloyd Mitchell. Romance to Amour. Brackets. Hot dogs. Close brackets. That is pretty good. Uh, Sandy Lester. The Sex Cauldron runneth over. For some reason, the Sex Cauldron line is from um, the uh, Bart After Dark episode in my head. I don't know why. Ah, yeah, right. I actually always thought that for a long time. Alistair Dannett, can we submit M-rated titles? We have sworn in every episode of Four Finger Discount ever, Alistair. So, yes, of course you can. Which is why <laughs> I have no problem with suge- uh, with reading out... Where did it go? Oops, sorry. Um, Facebook's updated on me and a whole bunch more have come in. Oh, well, Michael Bernstein with Skinner Inner. I'm not too sure. Oh, my. <laughs> That's different. <laughs> By the way, uh, it is 44-year-old virgin. It is 44. Okay. Uh, Brendan Hedger with Bart's Teacher Gets a D. Oh, that's great. I do like that. Yeah, that's very good. Garode Harrahill, along similar lines, it was Bart's Teacher's Get an F. I, I think Gets a D sounds raunchier. <laughs> yeah, I think it I think it does as well. And <laughs> that's not too bad. Lloyd Mitchell again, when Crandall met Tanzarian. And one more, just to round it out. Or maybe two. Jordan Molman Ritchie, for whom the school bell tolls. 
and Timothy Bellison, Some Edna Chanted Evening. I do like that too. Some Enchanted Evening obviously being the terrible episode from season one that was meant to be the pilot. Next question. You there, eating the paste. Alrighty, now Mitch, Mr. Grinter, it is time for some trivia and I'm going to let you kick things off this week. Hit me with something. Oh, okay. Um, what type of grass did they did Homer encounter on his journey to space? Oh, I was not listening. I was just too happy. I was just too, I just love seeing Homer happy being a good dad. That's I was wasn't listening. What are you saying? He yeah, just, he looked like he was so in the moment. You know, <laughs> uh, it was crabgrass, and it's only said like it's so off mic. It's as he's fading away. You can imagine that Dan actually walked away from the microphone as he said it, kind of acting out that he's driving off off screen. That that scene in general, I don't think Homer's ever appeared as such. What's the word to define Homer in that scene? It's not childish. Engaged. It's not, in, yeah, engaged. Yeah, he is. He's. He's role-playing for his kids. Like, he's... Yeah. As much as... He's clearly having a lot of fun, but he has not come up with that idea himself. Were it not for the fact that he's like, come on, let's let's play, I'll entertain you. He's not just going to pretend to be in space. My first question is, when did Agnes first start collecting pictures of cakes? Ooh. Was, uh, was it the 40s or the 20s? 40s. 44. 41. But I'll give you that. I'll give you uh, a pass. You got 40. You have half half a point. <laughs> well, I didn't really. I, I got 40 point or five, 20s. 0.25 of a point. <laughs> okay. Um, my second question comes from the same scene as my first. Which president did Homer impersonate? Oh, it was Nixon, wasn't it? Yes, it was Nixon. I think Nixon's the easiest one to impersonate, isn't he? Oh, yes, he is. <laughs> that wasn't too bad, actually. <laughs> It was actually my Elvis impersonation. (laughs) (laughs) How many kids had Nelson beaten up that year so far? Ah, 50? Yeah. I don't know. 50? (laughs) Where does the time go? Uh, (laughs) uh, My final question. What were Edna and Seymour eating for dessert? Applesauce? (laughs) Yes, applesauce. Applesauce, yes. I love, laughs at it and then... I don't get out to restaurants much. <laughs> that scene in general, I loved. I can't wait till we get to it when we're doing the review. It's just so much about it that I really enjoyed, but we'll get to that. Uh, and my final question is, how many hot dogs was Skinner wearing as a fake bomb? Ooh, that's a really good question. 32. 20. I had to count them okay. as I was falling off of his body. <laughs> oh, right. So, it wasn't even a line of dialogue. Well done to you. And that's my questions. What, have you got any more? No, I'm done. No, you're done. So, is there anything else we need to mention to the listeners? Obviously, we're going to be giving shout-outs to our new patrons at the beginning of the mailbag, mm-hmm. so stick around for that. But Mitch, anything else you want to mention? Uh, I'm drinking a soy latte at the moment for the first time because I made a coffee and realized we didn't have milk. And if there's any wackiness that goes on this podcast or I'm a little off-color, that is the reason why. Well, is it soy milk, though? What, what's in it? Yeah, soy milk instead of regular milk. Oh, I thought you meant like, you had no milk in the house. And I thought, how has he created soy like soy milk. Thought, what has he done? <laughs> what have I done? He's fermented his own soybeans. Yeah. I was like, what? what the, how has he done this? <laughs> no, what it was is Ash has um, removed all of the... Not removed, but Ash has been buying soy milk and almond milk because she's trying to get lower fat versions of milk. Um, and I forgot that I tipped my milk out because it was five days past its due date. Yeah, that'll do it. You, I, I usually give it two days past and then that's, that's done. Mm. I still, don't get me wrong, I still drank from it, but then I thought I should, sensible thinking Mitch, now that I've had my taste of milk, should prevent the future Mitch from drinking six-day-old milk because I knew I would do that the next day if I didn't tip it out now. Ash, 
I'd have to be left alone with the milk for a minute. <laughs> you gonna drink it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> the original air date of Grade School Confidential was April sixth, nineteen ninety-seven. And the couch gag. There wasn't a chalkboard gag again. I, I miss the chalkboard gags. We get them few and far between mm. these days. Uh, the couch gag was the Simpsons are clear blue bubbles. They all float in and go pop, 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 pop. Now, actually, before we get into the episode, so I may. Can you? Right. Sorry, can you just do that again for me, please? Pop, 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 pop. That's so satisfying. <laughs> uh, I may or may not be the new owner of the original cinema display of The Simpsons sitting on the couch when The Simpsons movie was released, right? Ooh. But get this. It's not just a cardboard display. It is the human. It is human-sized family members made of fiberglass on a couch. Human-sized? Oh, yeah. I know the ones that you're talking about. When you say may or may not, so... Uh, have you, are you like planning a heist? I'm waiting for the bank to approve my other bank account so Nicola doesn't know I'm buying it. <laughs> yeah, okay, gotcha. Obviously, Nick is not a listener anymore. <laughs> she doesn't at all. Too much time trying to stop Elliot. But the, um, I, I just think I saw this and I thought, I kind of have to have it. I know I don't need it, but I kind of do. What, what do I do? I, li- listeners, all right, I'm going to put a poll in the Patreon group. Does Dando okay. buy this or not? Now, apparently the person, apparently the person I'm buying it off Named Jody is a listener of the podcast. So really, Jody should just let mm. me have it, right? Well, if she's got any common sense at all. But Jody's probably paying off a $15,000 loan for the, for it. So <laughs> <laughs> But how amazing would that be if I had that in the in the garage? Just a life-size Simpsons family made of fiberglass. Uh, well, I mean, you'd certainly be the only person I know that has one. So <laughs> so there's that. Oh man, I just I looked at it, I was like, I just I do not need this, but I really, really want it. <laughs> but anyway, I'll let you know next week, listeners. Oh, by the way, I told you yesterday. Can we can we get two polls? Sorry. We'll have one saying will Dando buy it and another one should Dando buy it and we'll see. <laughs> yes. Talk me out of it, people. Talk some sense into me. I weighed in. So I mentioned last week that I've gone into a health binge. And I weighed in and I was eighty six point six this week. So I've gone down two point four kilos. What were you? 89 kilos, 89.1. That's not sustainable. I know it's not sustainable, but it's the first week. It's what happens in the first week. You lose more than any other week. Yeah, okay. Because your body's like, what was that? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've gone down to 86.6 so far. And I weighed myself this morning and I was 86.3. So I'm still going down slowly. But um, yeah, I'm pretty happy. Getting getting pro- progress. <laughs> What's your secret? Extra shits? Just don't eat. And if you do eat, just throw it back up. Yeah, okay. That works. Um, hang on. <laughs> Don't do that, no. people. Don't. That's a bulimia joke. I'm allowed to make it because I went through it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I know that you went through that as young as a younger guy. I don't know if all the listeners would, so don't write in angry. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I mentioned that I went through bulimia for about two or three years. Yeah, but we can't assume that everyone has listened to every single thing we've ever said. That is true. That is true. Yeah, they yeah. should have. <laughs> I feel like we need to put. Sorry, I feel like in this day and age, we need to put a disclaimer in the description of the podcast. Like, if you're going through this, call, call Lifeline. Grade School Confidential kicks off with what, Mitch? Uh, it kicks off with Skinner announcing... Well, it's sort of the tail end of an announcement where everyone's just bored. Skinner's obviously been talking for a long time. And it's a very good joke to begin with. And finally, the bake sale to raise money for the car wash has been cancelled due to confusion. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've got here, right... This scene, I'm sure if this aired now as a new episode, would be controversial and be, people would be offended and how dare they do this? Because oh. Mrs. K throws some caps 
and they go bang, 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 bang. Now they'd be saying, well, the kids are scared because they think someone's shooting people up in the school. Um, it did occur to me, not so much that people would be offended now, but that this isn't a... It's a joke that takes on a very different relevance now. I don't think they pushed it far enough to have a connotation, like to have that exact thought run through anyone's head. But it certainly would be something I was like, I was more thinking, yeah, no, a teacher could not do this in real life anymore. But 30 years ago, they could have. Even 20 years ago, they probably could have. Like if a teacher could let off some firecrackers and it would just be a hilarious prank that they played. My thought was, well, if I'm thinking this, then someone out there is offended right now. <laughs> you could apply that to anything, though. <laughs> That's true. M- Mrs. Krabappel, I also have an announcement to make. Can't wait till I retire. Um, <clears throat> I want one and all to join me in celebrating the anniversary of my portentous birth. Here you are, Nelson. A birthday party. Here you are, Nelson. Here you are, Nelson. I said... <laughs> pretty funny it's childish but it's funny <laughs> and it, well what i really like about it i love how mincing martin is as he moves around the classroom but i just love the it doesn't change his demeanor whatsoever here you are nelson <laughs> like like oh that's obviously a mis- it was an accident he just knocked the in- in- invitation to the floor silly nelson i better get back to it <laughs> i do like too that they didn't just get uh well, i think nancy records uh, does the voice of martin didn't just record it once because it's slightly different every time. Yeah. Then we get Homer's makeshift rocket. And it's just amazing. This, this I'm going to have to play the clip because it's just so great. All right, man. Get ready to blast off. Woo! We're in orbit now. What's that? A call from the president? Hello? Hey, yes. Well, let me just say this about that. Okay, Mr. President. Bart, this is boring. I guess we could go to Martin's party. I don't know. If we're seen there, it'll definitely take our social standing down a notch. We're what now? Three? Three and a half. We get beat up, but we get an explanation. Beautiful colors. Never has... <laughs> Mayday! Mayday! It, it has every right to be one of your favorite moments because it's, so, it's just too good. He's just having so much fun. It's really enjoyable. And, but I also love, not only does he impersonate Nixon, he doesn't really, like, he gets the voice right, but he can't think of anything to say. Like, oh, <laughs> let me say this about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's just cool seeing Homer trying to be a dad. It's good. Then Milhouse mm-hmm. suggests that they should go to Martin's party instead because, you know, they're bored. And I like the, the explanation of, like, the social standing. We're at three and a half. We get beaten up, but they give us an explanation. <laughs> they give us an explanation. I felt like I was not a mile away from that in school. <laughs> I was never part of the cool, cool group. I was like the second tier. Yeah, okay. That's not a bad place to be. I was like the group that, you know, everyone felt like they could be a part of and hang out with. And like, by all means, I'm, I was never cool. But I feel like a lot of people thought that if they're hanging out with our group, they felt cooler. But we still weren't the cool kids. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were like... You were the level of cool that would invite other kids in to, and it's so like level three cool kids, and then like maybe level two not cool kids could both come up to your level and feel a bit better about themselves for the day. Yeah, but see, it got to the point though where I think by like year 12, we formed this giant group where the cool, cool kids had no choice but to join us because we could, we used to play down ball every lunchtime. It was always down ball, mm. right? And then all kids started joining our group. And we had this massive down ball thing going. Like everyone just wanted to play down ball. And then the cool kids would come over and be like, can we play down ball? Like, 
Sure. And then like and then it was just cool, like the cool, cool kids mingling with the people who never thought they could ever say one word to the cool, cool kids. And then it was just one big happy family. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, we're brought together by Dan Ball. <laughs> I uh, I would I was hoping you were going to say that the cool kids came over and said, "Can we play Dan Ball?" Cut to you wearing a leather jacket, leaning against a wall, going, "Well, that depends. You cool? <laughs> <laughs> cool and you? I'll see you on the court." Uh, we're then at the party, and this is a really I felt so sorry for Mrs. K here. That that conversation with Bart is just so goddamn awkward. And then when he walks off and just looks back <laughs> he at her, just stares at the fence. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, it does look back at her, but just that he walks off to the fence. Just, But it's so true, though. Like, when you see a teacher, when you're a kid in particular, if you saw a teacher outside of school, you had no idea what to say to them no. or what to do. Like, it's just, you're not built for that sort of social interaction at that age with an authority figure. It's similar to when you see someone from work, outside of work. It's like, all you've got to talk about is work. Yeah, that can happen a lot. Sometimes... With reason, and sometimes it's valid, but yeah, a lot of the time it's more, it's just a fallback because you don't really know much else about this person's life. That's exactly Not right. Yeah. Yeah. And often, nor do you want to. <laughs> that, that's nail on the head right there. Then I also noticed here that the attention to detail wasn't there in the sense that Mrs. K and Skinner were wearing their school uniforms at the party. Mm. They, I wish they weren't. They should have got dressed up a bit. I don't know. I understand the characters normally wear the same clothes everywhere. I don't know, I thought Mrs. K and Skinner as characters would have changed. But I feel like... Maybe maybe not Skinner, Mrs. K would have, surely. I think in a storytelling sense, though, part of that is to explain that... I mean, they're the only adults at that party, apart from Martin's parents, who aren't interacting with anyone else. So, they're, they're also in that sort of torn period of not knowing how to act around their kids outside of the school zone. So, I think that it kind of does that it also helps the progression of their outfits throughout the episode like after they make out in the closet for the first time where they're suddenly very casual skin is wearing a white turtleneck uh or the outfits that they wear to the movie theater for example the disguises and that sort of thing that by having them not be loose early it helps show that progression later in the episode yeah true yep definitely you're exactly right now i'm just i'm listening to nicola outside she's singing do you know the show sanford and son uh i know of it you know the theme song? No. It's the one that goes... No, that song? Yeah, kind of. Is that what she's singing to calm down Elliot? Well, Elliot's nickname is Dude, like Little Duty. So, okay. she's, she always sings... Little Duty, 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 Dude. So, I'm just hearing this on repeat in the back of my head whilst you're trying to explain shit. Is, is Duty really the best? I, I'm sure that's like Dude with a Y, but have you not considered... Duty, as in D double O D I E. That's what we do call him, D I E. But I know, I know, as oh. in it means shit though. But like we yeah. say, he's a dude who makes duties in his pants. Like that's the joke. Yeah. Okay. But like, so he's gonna grow up thinking, yeah, my nickname's Duty. Like I'm a dude. And then he's gonna watch Caddyshack for the first time and, <laughs> and go, what have they done to me? <laughs> oh, he'll be long gone by then anyway. It won't matter. <laughs> We then get Ralph crying on the horse, just for no reason, just for the fact that he's on a horse. Yeah, uh, I really enjoy that. Nothing's going wrong. <laughs> it's it's just really funny. And missing the tail on the donkey later on, cries over it. I, f- I feel like they've really, they've dumbed down Ralph a lot this season. I mean, Massively. a lot. Yeah. yeah. Even last season, he wasn't this bad. Uh, no, I don't think he was from memory, but... And like I've said, that the dumb Ralph is not my favourite thing, but crying Ralph, I really enjoyed. <laughs> I could have had that as a recurring gag 
in a lot of different scenarios that Ralph, just no matter where they go, ends up in tears. Doesn't have any dialogue anymore, just cries. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That'd be more than enough for me. We then get the mathematician who is based on Bill Gates, the design of him. Uh, The design, obviously not the voice. No, no. And Lisa calls him out. (laughs) Yeah. But seven goes into 28 four times. Uh, This is a magic seven. (laughs) (laughs) Skinner is then talking to Mrs. K. And we get here the the signs that Skinner, he's just so innocent. And I think that's what Mrs. K likes about him. Edna. Seymour. Mind if I sit down? Yeah, it's a free country. I I don't follow you. Oh, just sit down, Seymour. It might be nice to talk to a grown-up for a change. <laughs> well, this party is certainly a break in my routine. You know, normally I spend my Saturdays carefully laying out my clothes for the following week. Then I stroll down to the car wash to see if Gus is there. Oh, yeah, you got to keep busy. I collect matchbooks from glamorous nightclubs. It's amazing. If you just write to them and ask them nicely... Is this how you imagined your life, Edna? Well, yes, but then I was a very depressed child. Two poor decisions. Hear, hear. We get another one of those moments later in the episode, not to jump ahead, but that swallow your applesauce and kiss me. Um, but I already swallowed my applesauce when you yeah. were walking over here. I love that. It. It's so great. But this here, too, like it just feels like a real convo of two adults who have just sort of, I don't know, they're just content with the mediocrity of their life. Well, it's, it's, it's like they're not content, but having this conversation with another adult, it's made them realize how mediocre it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Edna's line about, you know, oh, this is exactly how I pictured it. Mind you, I was a very depressed child. I think it's pretty telling about where she sees her station in life. Yeah. But the I, I, collecting matchboxes from um, nightclubs and things like that, she's so enthusiastic at the start and then realizes, oh, this is pretty lame. But it's also great. because... It's great acting. Also because, the, I don't know if you picked up on it, but the way that sounds is that she goes to all these nightclubs and keeps the matchbox, like the matchboxes. But no, if you call them and ask nicely, they'll send them to you. It's yeah, like yeah. She's not even getting out of the house. I just think the acting from both here was just spot on. And it would have mm. been, I think it would be nice too for Harry to be, as playing the character of Skinner, being able to talk to an adult for an entire episode because normally he's talking to the children. Yeah, that's true. I think that... Is correct. Unless it's like he's basically either belittling because he's talking to Willie or he is cowering because he's talking to Superintendent Chalmers. That's basically when he's not talking to kids. That's the only two modes that he's ever really been in. Yeah. And now when we see the eye through the fence, for some reason in my mind, because I forgot it was Agnes, for some reason in my mind, I always I thought that was going to be Willie who had not oh. been invited to the party. Right. I was, just, I, just, I was expecting it to be Willie. I don't know why because it's been a while since I've seen this one, but... Yeah, so it's Agnes, and she's just yelling at Skinner, as she always does. And then that's where you get the moment we said before, where Skinner says, help me, help me, yep. Edna. And they hide in the playhouse. Then we get Ralph crying on the donkey. Oh, no, sorry, crying on the donkey. Pin the tail on the donkey. Pin the tail just, on the donkey. Yeah. yeah. For no reason again at all. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> embarrassing when you don't get the tail <laughs> no where it's supposed to go. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, Bart is trying to get Millhouse to pin the tail on the cactus. He feels sick. Mm-hmm. I knew we should have served, uh, served cake instead of oysters. <laughs> It's such a Martin thing, though, isn't it? A Martin yeah. party to have oysters. It's yeah. like, I reckon it's a Mitch thing. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't have done it in my childhood. <laughs> um, I'd consider doing it as an adult because I do love oysters. I don't know. Are you that self-indulgent that you would only that you would make food that you know you like, not caring if anyone else likes it? Not only that, I would make everyone else serve it to me. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why I lay there? <laughs> okay, excuse me. Whose party is this? That's what I thought. Chop chop. 
<laughs> do you notice that Nelson punches Martin in front of his parents and they do nothing about it? Uh, yeah, but I mean, that makes sense for Martin's parents. They're not going to be any stronger willed than he is. That's true. Then Lisa fakes sick. It's it's great. Lisa doesn't normally lie, but it was it was worth it here, wasn't it, for the game? Yeah. Poor Kitty. Oh, I know, right? But uh, but at least you didn't see it throw up. It's just true. Sick. And to be fair, at the time, the cat was probably loving its oyster dish. So Bart didn't even know that he was being like. It's not like Bart was being mean feeding the cat. That's just, exactly right. Just yeah. went out that way. Do you know when? Did you notice too when Milhouse um, vomits into the jumping castle that it it moves down a bit, allowing for the weight. Like it sags. I yeah. thought that was just because Milhouse was leaning on it. But oh, uh, maybe. Look, but either way, um, could you imagine like? Just the damage that would happen if that was real. And what just all it would take would be one kid not to have realised and keep jumping once or twice. And that vomit is going to be everywhere. <laughs> be like vomiting on a roller coaster. Yeah. You know what I actually imagined was, was it Queen that did the film clip with like slow motion drums with water? Just like the water bouncing everywhere. Just I don't that, know. Did but- they? I don't know. Well, if not Queen, it's certainly like a sort of 80s rock music staple of a snare drum with water on it. And that is pretty much what I pictured. Just vomit slowly (laughs) rippling and (laughs) flying off through space. It would be terrible. Uh, Skinner here is just absolutely... I I do love the line of, what kind of boy has a tea set? (laughs) A lucky lucky boy. boy. (laughs) It's so perfect. (laughs) Then he's just completely oblivious to Mrs. K's flirting at the start. She's clearly... Yeah. Interested, and he's just like, "Oh, this is a tea set. I'm going to keep playing with it." And then eventually, yeah. she gives him she gives him the old Edna Rye, and it's on. Yeah, I really liked again though, like Skinner trying to say that he likes her, and just doing it in the least cool way possible. Like that he's really turned on, not turned on, but really uh, likes her ability to be personally offended by broad social trends. <laughs> yeah, but then just I've got here, what a man! He just he realizes the situation and goes, "Oh, what the hell!" and just max on. For the character of Skinner, that's a big moment to make the first move, you know? Yeah, even without the breath mint. I've got some <laughs> menthol cigarettes. Oh, what the hell. Then it was a pretty cool pullback reveal of Bart. Pretty funny. Look on his yeah, face. Yeah, just mouth aghast. Yeah. Come back from commercial and Mrs. K and Skinner are in the cafeteria. Did you notice she was smoking? Yeah. Um, don't imagine that you're allowed to do that even back in the 90s. I in a school cafeteria? I wouldn't think so, but maybe. I'm not too sure. American listeners, write in. Were teachers allowed to smoke at school at all? Yeah. Where did you catch your teacher smoking? I feel like they had Mrs. K smoking here just for the visual gag of when she turns around shocked it falls into her coffee. Uh, yeah, which is very funny. Hmm. That that realisation of, oh my God, like our life is about to be over. Uh, it's a really funny visual. It's a, it's a really... Well drawn out, like it's not slow motion, but it's almost slow motion, just the way it's dragged and they left sort of hanging there. And I also enjoy Skinner with good gravy. Oh, thank you. It's just brown and water. Brown and water. Am I missing something? Well, gravy can be made properly. Like you could do a roast and make gravy from the roast drippings and that sort of stuff. Or it could just be powdered gravy. So that's pretty much all that means. So it just means it's powdered gravy and water. That's all he means. Yeah. Okay. But it's it's just a funny way to describe it. It's yeah, just, yeah. It's just brown. Yeah, brown yeah. and water. Get some <laughs> yeah. brown, add some water. Get him back to that moment where you turn around or you, you overhear something you feel like your life's about to be over. It's kind of like, you know, when you hand your wife your phone and you forgot to clear your internet browser. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, well, it's too late now. She's holding the phone. 
even worse, you forgot to close your internet browser. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> like when your wife texts you, when your wife texts you, or when it works, saying, "Hey, is, is it okay if I jump onto your laptop to do something?" You're like, "Oh no, uh, <laughs> oh man, uh, uh, um, um, I think so, maybe. <laughs> uh, oh, actually, I've forgotten my laptop password. I think I've locked it out. The power supply is not working. I've got to take it to the shop." <laughs> oh man! They then call Bart quickly into the office. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Th- that joke will only make sense to patrons. For every, for all non-patrons, oh, yeah. Dando uh, halfway through editing our last episode, laptop just turned off completely. Yeah, so I didn't lose anything because I, I saved I save it like every five ten minutes now. It was just I was editing and then just black. Mm. I was like, holy shit! I've lost everything. So it's a it was a wake up call to back everything up. Yeah, basically. But it was just a simple fix. It was just, yeah, the power supply wasn't connecting to the battery or something, even though it, was, it said it was charging, it wasn't or something. I don't know. Yeah. But it's fixed now. It only cost me $20, which is good. <laughs> but then we get here. So Seymour runs off to do an announcement over the school speaker. Couldn't he just walked up to Bart? Um, no, well, I mean, he could have, but then it would have been visible that he was trying to top, stop Bart from telling that story, which might have raised suspicion. It's also funnier doing it over the PA. It is a lot funnier. Yeah. Um, then we get here. So, little little hints that they're in a relationship. Mrs. K called him Seymour by accident. Things mm. like that. I really liked it. What Seymour... I mean, Principal Skinner meant to say was this. That is yeah. blatantly insult his intelligence. Bart, Bart knows exactly what's going on. I love referring to Bart as son. Like, they're suddenly trying to endear themselves to him. You know, if some people knew about this, they might try and take advantage of the situation. Like me, for one. <laughs> like, oh, okay. This is where it's going. All yeah. right, what do we got? I like the just calling them out on their bullshit of like, sometimes a little boy's imagination can run away from him. That's the best you've got. Yeah. <laughs> Bart, if life has taught me one lesson repeatedly, it's to know when I'm beaten. Let's talk deal. As you know, Bart, your permanent record will one day disqualify you from all but the hottest and noisiest jobs. What do you say, son? You keep our secret and some other student can inherit your gloomy, wind-blown future. Deal. This is a great day for forbidden love. What 10-year-old student who was in Bart's situation wouldn't take this offer? Oh, well, 100%. Or, if you had a clean record, a promise that nothing would ever be added to it. Mm, that's pretty good. I do like here too the uh, the sound effect of when she drops the records onto the table. You hear this giant echo. Yeah, it, it just sounds heavy. Yes, it really does. <laughs> Great day for forbidden love. What was the sign on the door, by the way? Is it something along the lines of like, you know, permanent records? If you get caught trespassing, it will go on your permanent record. Yeah. yeah. Then we're having dinner at Mrs. K's. I, I just love this. I love Mrs. K's line of wine for three. And the smirk she gives afterwards. <laughs> she was just drawn so well there. Yeah. She's happy of the joke, but she's also in a sense of... Because they, what they do is they nail that really, like, first date kind of vibe where you're sort of... You're making jokes, hoping it works, and when it works, you're like, oh, thank God that worked. Thank God they, they found that funny. That's yeah. what I got here, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now it's time to get down and dirty on the floor. <laughs> now, the thing is, though, we won't go too much into bit what they say because we've already discussed it. So what they want you to think as a viewer here is that they actually did get down and dirty here, but they didn't. Well, no, they're just making out. But you're right; they do sort of set it up to make you think that. Yes, definitely. Because the, the next scene, we see Skinner. He's got his shirt open. He's cool. He's he's, he's different. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? As if, if you're watching this for the first time, you just assume, oh well, they just banged. Yeah, that's very true. 
So like I said, we go back to the school and Skinner's now greeting the kids at school. He just suit open. He just looks like he just looks like a cool guy now. Yeah. And just chatting with all the kids, like, you know, hey, hey, how's that hat? Janie, Janie, Bofini. And Mrs. K has like, the little bandana scarf thing. I don't know what what is that called? Is it just a bandana around her neck? Um Is it a is it just is it a neckerchief? Did you just make a word up? Or is it a neck scarf? A neckerchief, neck scarf. That, well, I've got, I've got bandana neck scarf. That's all I had. It's definitely not a bandana. I think it's just a neck scarf. Okay, it's not a neckerchief. I've never I'm heard going of a neckerchief. To image neckerchief search. sounds like a Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> neckerchief is an actual word. Is it really? Yeah. Neckerchief. Yeah. Well, it's not a neck scarf. Let's type neckerchief. Neckerchief. Auto filled in Google. A square of cloth worn around the neck. It is a neckerchief. That is a neckerchief then. Well done. I've never heard the term neckerchief before. Well, there you go. You learn something every day that you talk to me. Trust you to know what women wear around their necks. A neckerchief. And ankles. <laughs> Sorry. That's that's not a good joke. <laughs> that's... Uh, oh, then... dear. Bart is starting like, to see- Sorry. That's one of those. Someone was writing into the um, to Facebook the other day about moments where- like they're in public listening to the podcast and they burst out laughing with something. I predict that that will be one. <laughs> <laughs> but is starting to see the negatives of his deal. Whilst he may have a clean record now, you know, he has to give the letter to Edna and things like that. Mart, so good to see you. I have a little favor to ask you. I'd like you to give this note to Edna when you get back to class. I don't think I have to tell you it's for her eyes only. I hear reading. Skinner and Mrs. K then sneak into the cinema. Uh, this is this is amazing. He's happy that they got in, but they confiscated his thermos full of collar at the door. <laughs> yes, and he totally would be bringing a thermos full of collar. Of course he would. <laughs> he wouldn't be buying it for the. You know, if you go to Reading cinemas in Geelong, food and drink doesn't actually cost that much extra. Uh, not a huge amount, but I mean, popcorn and popcorn and one of those cheap post mixes for twelve bucks or something like that is still a lot of money. For it is, but given uh, that you'll but, eat at most, you'll have six mouthfuls of popcorn. What are you eating, mate? No, it's just people don't eat that much popcorn. You never eat as much as it has. See, I I prefer popcorn. My popcorn a little bit colder, so I always wait through the trailers. Mm. Nicola, she just fucking goes for it. So halfway through the trailers, half the popcorn's gone. I'm like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, woman, slow down. She just <laughs> fucking goes for it. <laughs> what happened to your popcorn? She just fucking went for it, mate. Don't, don't, this is what separates us from the other Simpsons podcast. Don't you just love the brutal honesty that we have with our marriages? Uh, we're, just op- we're just open. I'm not sure that... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gets me in trouble from time to time. Oh, it gets me in trouble every week. <laughs> <laughs> because we've got uh, one of Nic- Nicola's friends listens to the show. So she tells Nicola. But Nicola doesn't mm. care. We're very lucky that we have... Easygoing, cool wives, aren't we? Uh, very, very lucky indeed. I dedicate this episode and every episode to my wife. That's our way of saying election in November, election in November. Like, it's our way of covering up for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, sorry, one other line that I really enjoyed in the cinema, by the way. Just enjoy the movie. It has Tom Berenger. Charmers arrive and they have to explain that they're on an excursion. They have to lie to him about why they're there together. Yeah, field trip. So they go, 
Yeah, field trip. Yeah, yeah. Well, we call it, we say excursion. They say field trip. Skinner, Propolis. What are you two doing here? Oh, Superintendent Chalmers. Uh, why we're we're uh, on a um, uh, uh, what do you call uh, field trip? Uh, with a student. Yes, he's uh, he's, uh, he's purchasing refreshments in the lobby. I'll I'll, I'll go get him right now. Carkies, carkies, carkies. What's going on? Just enjoy the movie. It is Tom Berenger. You think they actually filmed this in Atlanta? I don't know. I don't think it's important. Yeah. Bard then has to keep Agnes busy while they go out on a date. Or when are they going? Just going out for some spare time together or whatever. Uh, I don't even think he mentions it. Just going out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is... I, I thought Agnes was hilarious here. I'll let you pick anyone. No, you can't have that one. That's a coconut cake. That's a coconut cake. <laughs> Do you have any cake? No, I don't care for cake. Too sweet. Too sweet. Oh, my God. That is so funny. <laughs> Do you don't have any cake around here? Do you? Like Bart, the good thing about here is Bart is actually trying. Mm. Now, he could have easily have just gone and sat there and just sulked about it. No, he, he was making an effort. He's trying to get involved. But no matter what he did, Agnes was just at him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then yeah. uh, Mrs. K, or they're in the classroom, and Mrs. K kicks Bart out for doing absolutely nothing absolutely wrong and gives nothing. him the note. And Skinner makes Bart come back into the room and say, I love you. Th- oh, this, is where we, yeah. this is where we get the, the Martin line. Fuck, it is perfect, isn't it? It's just, yeah. it, is, it is the best. Mrs. Krabappel, Bart has something he wants to say to you. I won't say it. Bart! <laughs> I love you, Edna Krabappel. Simpson. Oh, thank you, Bart. That was very sweet. You may sit down now. We're not going to get away with this. I'm going to step out for a few minutes, class. Martin, you're in charge. No, Bart, uh, uh, you must promise not to fall in love with me. <laughs> oh, now Martin's scoring off me. Oh, that is it. Listen up, everybody. Follow me. I can't believe that Skinner would have done that like that's a really I don't know I've, well I said I can believe it in the context of the episode but by the same token come on man have some sense well I've got I've got here in brackets was there any real need for that it just felt a bit like I know they needed a reason for Bart to, to eventually snap. snap yeah this here just felt a bit unrealistic like no one would actually there was no need for him to make him do that that was just silly yeah but still funny like it still made me laugh oh and it's it's funny in the, t- in the context of the episode but it's still, the thing I, is yeah what could be worse for any young boy than having to be told that he's that he's in love with it having to tell his teacher that he's in love with her i understand it's funny i understand, i get that it's a comedy show i get that but still if you're trying to be a little bit realistic it just it just doesn't fit for me it's they've like just, well, why why would skin even risk the chance of having him do that they're trying just, to keep their love a secret they've just lost control they're, that's, they're so okay. swept up in the love yeah that's an explanation still it's it's a very valid reason for Bart to snap though isn't it oh yeah 100% it's it's cruel and unusual punishment to force him to do that yes 100% so then what does he do After, well just up on the desk I like that Bart manages to maintain a sense of uh, standing in the classroom even though he's just been made fun of they still follow along when he barks an order and says everyone come with me 
And it's not just it's not just his class; it's the whole school. They yeah, I, I like the determination in his voice as he's just going through knocking on doors. Okay, crew, set your faces to stunned. Um. Um. School dismissed. And there's a little bit of animation here when he eventually opens the door and, you know, set your eyes to stunned and we mm-hmm. see Mrs. K and Skinner cuddling, not doing anything, just cuddling, but having her pull her dress down a little bit, her skirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And have the skirt. Yeah. That was, um, was that something that was cut from TV? Is that where you're going with this? No, no, no. It was just the, the director, Susie Dita, put that into the episode. I just thought it was a very nice touch, a little bit of extra detail. Yeah, right. And I think probably a detail that a male director would not have put in. I don't think mm-hmm. they would have thought to do that. No, definitely not. Yeah, it was, and it really added to the added to the awkwardness of the moment, didn't it? Yeah. I said Skinner's line is school dismissed. Not too bad. Like just as a let's try to let's try to get out of this. Yeah, well what else is he gonna think of? He, he's he's already used his best line of steamed hams. He can't, what has he got now? <laughs> oh, the ice cream man's arrived and Jet's not happy about it. Oh, doesn't like that bell. Can you hear the can you hear the bells? Uh, I heard Jet barking. The ice cream man's here every Tuesday now. About seven o'clock, the ice cream man rocks up. Mm-hmm. Rain, hail or shine. Eddie Murphy comes running down after him. <laughs> we come back from commercial, and this is where we get the montage of all the kids telling, just lying, basically. Tell, yeah. tell, doing what kids do, though. Exaggerating a story. Exactly. It's like Chinese whispers, or for our American listeners, telephone, where it just sort of gets added to and added to. I do love another little line, by the way, that I really enjoy here was... Lisa, I was in the library at the time. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I mean, she shouldn't have been. She should have been in class. But I guess she, like, maybe the people in class weren't working hard enough. So, she took herself to the library. And then Bart opened the door and Principal Skinner and Mrs. Krabappel were kissing <gasps> and swearing. Father, Uncle Apu, a teacher was in the closet with the principal and he had as many arms as Vishnu and they were all very busy. <gasps> wow. I was in the library at the time, but Janie told me that Principal Skinner and Bart's teacher, Mrs. What's her name? Krabappel? Yeah, Krabappel. They were naked in the closet together. <gasps> oh my goodness! Wait a minute. Bart's teacher is named Krabappel? I've been calling her Crandall. Why didn't someone tell me? Oh, I've been making an idiot out of myself. Mrs. Krabappel and Principal Skinner were in the closet making babies, and I saw one of the babies, and the baby looked at me. Baby looked at you? Sarah, get me Superintendent Chalmers. Thank you, Sarah. Mm-hmm. You know what I liked the most about the, the moment there? Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> didn't need to be there, but it was just funny. <laughs> yeah, I guess it, it needed to be there to explain that well, you get the double joke. First, you think he's he thinks he's still got a secretary at the other end of the line. And then you realize, no, he's just talking to his wife and asking her to dial the number. So then Chalmers bursts into Skinner's office mm-hmm. and he issues him the ultimatum. Either get rid of this tawdry, fulfilling relationship or you're fired. Which I suppose it probably it could be an awkward one. Like one of those things of inter-office relationships, depending, particularly when it's the boss... With a colleague or like with a um with someone under the boss, it, it probably still does have like a, a connotation to it that this really shouldn't go on. Do you think though in 2018, do you think this is yeah, not allowed now? Yeah, because they, they treat they treat this like it's illegal essentially in this episode, like it just cannot happen. Well, is it really that is it that bad though? The reason they treat like, it like, Mrs. like that is because they think they've all 
actually had sex at school. That that is true. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that, that's a, that's a plot point that I never really picked up on until I watched it for the review. I always just thought they just didn't like them being in the relationship. But no, it's because the kids made the bullshit story. Yeah, up. exactly. Like once they realize, oh, okay, they're just dating. Well, yeah, no, whatever, that's fine. I guess, but I still think there are definitely some officers that would have zero tolerance on people like you know inter-office dating, like elements of taboo. Yeah. But I did like you, though, that Skinner, he chooses love. I mean, good for him. I mean, because school means everything to him. We know that. Yeah. But, you know, Mrs. K now means more. And that, that was a really nice touch. That's a big plot, a uh, big character development for him. Definitely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mrs. K is also sad uh, in class, just saying goodbye to the kids. Because she, she, she might whinge in class and she might be a bitch sometimes, but she loves being a teacher. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's her life. It's the life that she's chosen mm. and... She doesn't have a lot going on outside of that classroom. So then Skinner apologizes to Bart, and I thought that was good of him because he deserved an apology mm. for what he did. Yeah, of course. Yeah, like the other way that you would have taken that is be angry at Bart for having outed you, but I like that, yeah, he's accepted that we drove you to do this and you did a lot right for us. So, you know, fair play. What are you getting at? You spent your whole life following orders from your mother, the army, Superintendent Chalmers. Just this once, man. Stand up for yourself. Okay, Bart. Let's go, Seymour. Okay, Edna. I... No, wait. We're not going anywhere. I'm going to do what Bart should have told me to do a long time ago. Attention, Springfield. We have barricaded ourselves in the school and are not coming down until our demands are met. Willie hears ya. Willie don't care. I've often thought that uh, i think there's a george carlin joke actually about this about um it's like you know man uh it, george carlin's doing like the the news reports he's like man barricades self in his own home but he doesn't have a gun and no one is paying any attention to him what does bart do that to get the uh to get the news attention uh, just to call them and tell them that there's an octopus that's broken out and it's on the roof of the school let's roll two cameras <laughs> so once again I've been had but still this story is developing and it's a very very interesting one yeah please just play the Homer clip there's nothing else to say Bart this is your father do you know where the remote is I looked all over the house did you check your pocket it was it was in my pocket I don't know what else we can say that it would just Add to that. It's just perfection. No, nothing. It's brilliant. We then get Chief Wiggum going through sort of like hostage negotiation 101, trying the reverse psychology. Fine, stay in school. We don't want you to come out. You got it. Damn. All right, boys, roll up the soundtrack. Oh, soundtrack. Now, that was based on something real. Uh, I just love the delivery of Wiggum there. Damn. <laughs> like, expected it to work. <laughs> yeah. I do like later when Bart is carrying on going please turn the music off because they're dancing to it it's like yeah it's working yeah hit them with the lights really good really really good so the music thing was a tactic that u.s troops used during operation just cause in attempt to force manuel noriega out of the vatican embassy in panama city oh okay and that is my fact of the week but anyway like you mentioned though they they cut the power they hit the lights it's just so great seeing both of these two characters finally happy yeah, it is. And just enjoying a nice dance that kind of reminds me of the My Endless Love moment from Happy Gilmore. This song here, this is the Embraceable You song that gets played when B and Grandpa are dancing. Right. 
And it's also why... So, Tim Minchin has a song, Inflatable You, and I had never really realised why it was familiar to me until this. Yeah, it's, they've been using The Simpsons several times, yeah. It's a, and it is a great song. And it's beautiful. It's just one of those old, nice sort of crooning songs. Yeah. Um, my my favourite, just for the record of those, is I'm in Heaven, the song that is played in the Green Mile. Um, okay. I'm in heaven, I'm in heaven, and my heart beats so that I can hardly see. And I'll just point out that I'm only singing that off key to avoid copyright laws. (laughs) (laughs) A phone then comes flying through the window. My first thing here is, remember those things? Telephones? Telephones, yeah. I saw them once. And then it's the delivery. I don't know what it was, but it got me. I laughed out loud. Skinner's, oh, I'll get it. (laughs) <laughs> like, 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 everyone was just like, no one was shocked. It was like, oh, I'll get it. Yeah. Skinner answers the phone and uh, Skinner makes a demand. He says, look, he dem- demands that we have our jobs back. This was my other favorite moment. So I, I forgot to mention it at the start. So when he says, we should ask the town, I want to tell the town. And Chalmers goes, oh, that's a good idea. Should I ask the guy in the bumblebee suit or the, uh, the, or the guy with the bone through his hair? <laughs> <laughs> Like, Chalmers is seriously just like a, a real-life person in the Springfield universe. I also... My opinions are just as valid as the next man. Yeah, yeah all right. Just calm, calm down. <laughs> calm down, mate. Just shut up. <laughs> this is it. What are you going to do? I'm going to go out there and tell every man, woman, and child that I love Edna Krabappel. Well, that's nice, but first got to grab their attention. And I think I know how. I... Have a bum. Hey, wait a minute. Those are hot dogs. Armor hot dogs. Remember the 90s when strapping a bomb to your chest was just a whimsical way to declare you love? I miss those days, my friend. I miss those days. But the the delivery from Hank of the man. What kind of man wears armor hot dogs? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's so good. But then Mrs. K, she... And it's true. She says... Ask yourself, why are you forcing two dedicated people to choose between the careers and their hearts? Mm. It's true. They're not hurting anybody. It's not changing anything. No, These are just two people who have been lonely and sad for so long, finally happy. But, of course, like you mentioned, they think it's because they've been getting it on on the school property. Yeah. Which is a no-no. I will concur. Been there? Done that? Uh, No. Never at school. I know you explained a story then, but I won't get into. (laughs) Excuse me, Edna. I don't think we're talking about love here. We're talking about S-E-X in front of the C-H-I-L-D-R-E-N. Sex, Cauldron. I thought they closed that place down. I've got here, just shut up, Maud. It's none of your fucking business. Like, Maud, well, as a character, Maud has become a real, like, like you said last week, like a naysayer, but she's just a sticky nose. Like, get out of anyone, everyone else's business. Yeah, but again... At this point, they still think they were having S-E-X in front of the C-H-I-L-D-R-E-N. Sex, cauldron. Although her kids don't go to school there. So, yeah, fuck off, Maud. Exactly. This is the other thing. They weren't having sex in front of the school, in front of the kids. At least they at least they had the courtesy to go into a closet. <laughs> had the courtesy to go hide behind an unlocked door. Skinner then nearly lets it slip that, you know, it's preposterous that we slept together because, and then Mrs. K convinces him to tell the truth. It's the only way they yeah. can clear their names. Well, everyone... The fact is, I haven't ever had relations. I am a virgin. <laughs> hey, does this mean that Mrs. Krapapal is a virgin too? 
Mrs. K's ha gets me every time. It's so good. <laughs> Everyone leaves awkwardly because they just don't want to have to deal with this situation. Chalmers reinstates uh, Skinner before he has any time to really get into the conversation, just leaves, and everyone's happy. Skinner then tells Bart that they're splitting up. And this was a really good bait and switch. It was, yeah. It was a great, mo- great moment for Skinner. He's, he's not the dweeb that he once was. Like, he's... He's not a man's man, but he's you know he's he's taken a step towards that. Yeah, and he's kind of realised that he can get away with things and not have to tell the truth. I also like that this is a perfect way to write it out of the episode in a few different ways. That if they want to continue this relationship on as like I'm talking about the writers' room here, not the characters, they can. Yep. If they don't want to, or they don't want to do it for a while, it's easy to go. Well, they're just hiding it, and then we can bring it back whenever. And it perfectly removes Bart from any need to be engaged in it ever again. So they can either evolve the story, they could retread the story if they want to, they could just completely move on from the stories if it had never happened, and they're all perfectly valid. It's a really smart way to end an episode. Yeah, I didn't actually look at it like that, but yeah, you're really you're really right. But all in all, we've, we've said it time and time again at the start of this podcast that this is an episode that I feel is very underrated. It's much like last week. Not, I, I think this is it. this episode's far more underrated than the last one. I always remember the last week's episode as being very funny. Mm. I never even remember much about this episode except for the you know them going onto the top of the school. Everything else before that, I was just like, eh, it never meant much to me as a kid. But as an adult, I'm watching this, and like you said, you were in tears of laughter. Yeah, it's just great. It everything about it is great. Yeah, yeah, it really, really is very funny. What did we learn, Palmer? So, what did you learn from the episode, Mitch? Uh, I learned that. Paul Kelly has, uh, like, his idea of how to make gravy is far more complicated than it needs to be. <laughs> I realize I haven't got one. I've got uh, applesauce is an aphrodisiac. That'll work for <laughs> And lubricant substitute. I mean, I didn't learn that from this episode. That's just a little tidbit <laughs> in case you need it. By the way, guys, Paul Kelly, in case you're an international listener who is unaware of who he is, he's a very popular Australian singer-songwriter who has a very, very popular song called How to Make Gravy. Uh, yeah, particularly at this time of year, because it specifically... Is it the 21st of December? It's the 21st of December. I don't know. But it's it's certainly coming up soon. Last train out of Sydney. Uh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> he made it out. <laughs> <laughs> this is just nonsense now. Yes, okay. Uh, this is the soy milk talking. It's time for the mailbag. Jamil! Jamil is here! Ooh. Of course, before the mailbag, Mitch, we have some shout-outs to do, don't we? Uh, well, you certainly do, and I imagine you'll be recording those l- in the past and playing them now. Okay, so back on the team, we have Mr. Keith Nettam and Seth Weens. Glad to have you guys back on board. We have Fraser McLaughlin, Tom Pickering, Jacob Meta. You're back on the team as well, my good friend. Marin Waldron, uh, Kelly Nolan, welcome back again. A lot of people have left us for a while, but they've come crawling back, but we love you guys for it. Uh, we've got Nick We've also got Bailey Cashin. We've got uh, James Lind, Will Brinton. We also have Mr. Charlie Wardale, Jack Gardner, Luke McKay, Ryan Stevens, Joe Norris, and the one and the only Sean Devey. So thank you once again for your support here on Patreon, guys. You all mean the world to us. So Mitch, do you have anything else to say to our patrons besides me just giving them a shout out? You want to remind them how much you love them? Um... Just thank them for get, thank them for getting on board the, the Four Finger Discount train. The Four Finger oh, well, Discount look, family welcomes you with open arms. Welcome aboard. All right. Well, I mean, you've done that. So, so <laughs> no, I guess I don't have anything else well, to I, say. I felt like you were about to uh, badmouth the listeners. I thought I better step in here. Damage I control. Wasn't, 
I wasn't going to badmouth the listeners. I was going to... For the, for the listeners of Patreon who have listened to our exclusive Futurama podcasts that we've been uh, doing. So, we had been focusing on season one. We just recently dropped in to do... Uh, to jump ahead and do Jurassic Bark. Yeah. At which point I was going to move on without having included the uh, the date that it went to air. You pulled me up uh, on that very, very notion. Someone wrote into the page. Uh, here it is. Nick Barbaro with mm-hmm. Jackie Claire. So, he's listening to it with uh, his partner, I presume. Okay. Would just like to confirm that when Mitch started to get the Jurassic Bark review, I lost my shit and yelled, what about the air date? Praise you, Dando. You know what patrons want. See, I told you. I told you it's important. That's what you're missing out on if you're not a patron. It's air dates of when Futurama originally went to air. <laughs> I was very proud of our Jurassic Park review, by the way. It went for almost 90 minutes. If you're a Futurama fan, you would absolutely love it. I'm going to make that available in a, in a couple of weeks' time, before Christmas, as a Christmas treat. I'm going to make it available to $2 patrons. So, if you, ah. just, if you just want to do a, a tester of the Four Finger Discount Patreon page, just be a $2 patron, not only will you get access to that podcast and many other podcasts, as well as access into the prize draw, you'll also get access into the Four Finger Discount Facebook group, all for just $2 per month. What better deal can you find anywhere else, Mitch, besides maybe $1 large fries from KFC? Um, occasionally, Pornhub do like a free week of their premium subscription. You just don't need premium. You just, you just get a fake account. You just hack into it. I've got ways to get in there for free. You just hack into it. You hack the mainframe. Well, I, I don't hack it, but I've got a guy at work that hacks into it. Well, he, okay. he's, he's figured out a way to get past the uh, the premium service. Is he selling Shit. credit card numbers on the side? <laughs> <laughs> you may have got a, uh, an email from him this afternoon. Uh, it's not one of the guy, like not one of the many spam emails that we received the four finger discount mailbag. <laughs> Holy shit! This week did it go mental? Oh, I know. I don't. I don't think we got like one listener question, and about sixty people trying to drive more website traffic. We did get some listener questions, but the thing is, you know what happened? So our website was fucked for for a few weeks, right? Um, there was an there was an issue with the back end, and it's been fixed about four days ago, five days ago. Mm-hmm. Something's happened, and all these SEO traffic websites are gone. Holy shit! Four finger discounts fucking back and we've just try and get in contact with them again and it's just like ah, that's uh, what it is so we need to go through and like filter them out somehow and make sure they're spam mails so don't keep coming into our inbox because i went to the inbox this afternoon and went what the hell happened well it's across the bear of popularity i suppose <laughs> <laughs> so what questions have we got this week uh scott Talby writes in hello scott thanks for writing in actually this is this isn't a question, but uh, it's just a little shout-out that I'm more than happy to give. It's been a while since I've just done a true shout-out. It's been a while since I've had a need for one or anyone has requested one. But Scott is a big fan listening from the UK, generally listens to a show on the way to work. A close friend of his is getting married in April 2019. He's a massive Simpsons fan and even recommended our podcast to Scott. He knows he'll be listening to you guys, so would it be possible to give a shout-out to Mike and Laura with their big uh, for their big day? No, it wouldn't. Um, no, of course it is. Mike and Laura, congratulations on the mistake that you are making together. <laughs> um, sorry. I, I did some wedding photography the other week, and at one point when I was trying to get a smile from them, that was the line that I used. It's like, just look deep into each other's eyes and think about how you've ruined each other. <laughs> <laughs> did you get a smile from the wife as well? Big laugh from both okay. of them, yeah. So, uh, Dan uh, Scott wants to know what our favourite wedding-themed Simpsons quote is uh, as a, at, by way of shout-out. So, not just to say, I mean, congratulations. In all seriousness, congratulations and good luck. Uh, I hope your wedding goes off well in April 2019. Dando, what is your favourite wedding Simpsons quote? I like it when Homer ate the entire cake on their wedding night. Yeah. 
I can't remember the exact quote though. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. No, that's that that, that's from his school book. That's what I was thinking oh, in my head as well. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. Uh, is it? Oh, it's the episode. It's Treehouse of Horror Four because it's when they're going through their wedding photos, um, and they're trying to convince them to let oh, Homer have gotcha. his soul back. Yeah. I think my favorite is simply next from the yes. priest. <laughs> that is pretty good. Oh, shotgun uh, weddings. Do you march take Homer? Uh, Justin Meyer writes in with a subject line war on Christmas. I'm worried that this is going to be all sorts of political. Oh, no. Good. <laughs> um, he would like to say that the war on Christmas is not happening. I was raised by leftist Jewish, sorry, leftist Jewish coastal elites in Manhattan, went to the dreaded liberal indoctrination center of UC Berkeley, moved to the hip secular bastion of progressives Portland, and finally back to the Ivy League Law School, Columbia. Not relevant, but the last part I'd just like to drop in. And in the process, I've lived with and been friends with anarcho-pagans, militant feminists, trans-vegans, and other people with dyed hair. And throughout all of this, I've scarcely heard a word condemning anything but the overt commerciality of Christmas. The worst-case scenario that some liberals, uh, some fellow liberals says, happy holidays, and even then, most people in those cliques jump in the... Uh, sorry, jump on their case about saying Merry Christmas. Anyway, Merry Early Christmas. It's a wonderful holiday right after Thanksgiving. Shame you Aussies don't have that one and take care. It is a shame that we don't have Thanksgiving, I guess. Well, I mean... We're getting Black Friday sales though, which is good. (laughs) That's true. Uh, I picked up a uh, coffee machine, the one that I made my soy latte with, Ah. and it has changed our marriage. You know what I want to get is an air fryer. I don't trust that. If, If I want something fried, I want it fried. Yeah, but I want something that sort of kind of tastes like it's fried, but also I want to not put on 10 kilos like I have the last 10, yeah. two years. Just get a Tupperware container and a hairdryer and take a little longer. <laughs> like, what? what's an air fryer doing that a really hot oven isn't? Um, because it's not spraying oil over the place. But an oven doesn't spray oil. No, but an air fryer does. So you put, you put a tablespoon or a teaspoon of oil in and it sprays the oil oh. around so much that it gives the sensation that it's been deep fried, but it hasn't actually oh. been deep fried. I didn't know it had any oil at all. Yeah, you put a teaspoon of, of oil in it and the, the air in it moves it all around to make it give the sensation, the taste that it's been deep fried, but it hasn't been deep fried. Well, I don't trust it. <laughs> it doesn't fry it with air. <laughs> that's what. That's actually what I thought had happened. I thought it blasted hot air at the food. God, that's something I would normally say. Uh, by the way, that quote is, well, Homer wrote the entire wedding cake by himself before the wedding. <laughs> okay, uh, Chris Keegan writes in, hi guys. Really enjoyed the latest episode, Homer's Phobia. I wanted to follow on about what you guys about this, uh, said about the Simpsons movie sequel. Hopefully the sequel will be better than the first, which was okay. But do you think there have been any comedy movie sequels that were better than the original? I'm trying to think of how many comedy sequels there are out there. The old classy Dumb and Dumber 2 is not the, not the greatest. Nope. Is Naked, is Naked Gun 2 better than the first? I've never seen it, so... No, it's not. it's not. I mean, it's good. The Naked Gun series holds a pretty high level the whole way through but it's certainly not better chris's name 22 jump street and ace ventura when nature calls okay um, yeah yeah now, as i haven't seen 22 jump street but i do think that pet detective is a superior movie to when nature calls i've always preferred bill and ted's bogus journey over excellent adventure oh okay that's not a bad shout um i really can't think of many i think for the most part a comedy sequel just it just it's really hard for it to not become derivative like, it's it's often a retread of the same jokes. And the big part of it is because with the first one, it's always so fresh. And, like, that's a really important part of comedy is surprise. And it's hard to maintain that surprise through a sequel. Oh, wait, no, no, I've got one. Home Alone 2. You there? Hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking. <laughs> I was just pondering that. Home Alone 2 is far superior than Home Alone 1. Home Alone 2 has Tim Curry, dude. No, nah, Tim Curry doesn't do it for me in that, but I think the Wet Bandits do have more to do. First Home Alone, you could tell they had a story and they did it and it was, it was such a success that in the second one, they had the freedom to do what they wanted. Yeah, they did. My favourite line in Home Alone 2 is just the delivery of, this is Peter McAllister, the father. <laughs> anyway, um, so we'll wrap the mailbag up there because I assume you have a screaming baby that uh, you need to get on your nipple. No, I've done the nipple this afternoon and he's now going to bed quietly. So maybe that was the answer. Maybe he just needed my nipple. Ooh. That's all it was all this whole time. So maybe you could get Nicola onto your nipple instead. A little bit of quality time in the janitor closet while the baby sleeps. Hey, Nicola, what, Nicola's listening. What do you think of that? Oh, was she really? No, she's not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But uh, do you know what I was doing before we go? Do you know what I was doing today? I was doing your Christmas shopping, buying your Christmas presents. Yeah, right. You did send a message. Um, I hope you were being as wildly and recklessly impulsive as you were before we started recording. I was. I showed Ash and I said, look on Ash's face going, oh, why'd you buy so much? I don't want to have to buy this much for you. Oh, dear. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I have a friend like that, Tom, who has a lot of free money, so he's... His Christmas presents are always awesome. And it, well, Tom will be listening to this, I presume. Um, it just, geez, it puts you under the pump <laughs> to, to try to raise the bar every year. Well, see, I have the, I have the, the lucky uh, aspect of being able to get stuff cheap from work. So I, yeah, okay. I give off the impression that I'm buying lots when really I'm spending just as much just getting more for my money. Yeah, okay. Well, as long as you don't expect that the other way around, because just because I work <laughs> in a bank, I don't get half price money. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, so, thanks for listening to our review of Grade School Confidential. Next week, we're doing The Canine Mutiny. Another episode that I haven't watched in some time, and one that I've not always loved, mostly because I know Santa's little helper comes back around, but I don't like the disloyalty that Bart shows him. Yeah, it's it's really hard. Even though he does get him back, it's really hard to forgive him. I, I, know, he, I know he sees the, um, the error of his ways, but... Just to do it in the first place, it's like, ooh, that's not a good character trait. Yeah. You know what would be a fun little video project, actually, would be to cut um, a trailer in the style of the new Netflix documentary series, Dogs, with the canine mutiny. Yeah, it would be good. <laughs> I might. There you go. Nick Arrighi, that's your, that's your uh, mission for the week. Try and make that happen. Yeah. But Mitch, we have 20 seconds left on the SD card. I think it's time you, uh, you give some, our listeners some final words before we run out of time. Oh, we're just going to run out of time. Is that, is that going to be the gag? Is that what we're going to do? We're going to run out of time? <laughs> Podcast dismissed. Shh.